Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is We Don't Talk About, Part 2, The Greatest Command, recorded Sunday, August 14th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Justin with today's message. Have you ever walked in to a conversation that maybe you thought was going to be real easy or real friendly or just kind of a, hey, how are you thing? And then you get into the middle of something that's already going on. It's a way bigger deal than you thought. Like, like you're going to a party or you go to someone's house and you see a group of people across the room and you think, you know, I'd like to hang out with them. I'll, I bet that's a fun conversation. As you get over there, you realize they're talking about something you don't really want to talk about, or maybe the conversation's kind of heated, or maybe there was somebody hiding in the group who you really don't like anyway, and you're just like, okay, I don't want to be here. It reminds me, uh, back in the fall of last year, our, our international ministry in Kearney had their annual Thanksgiving dinner, and there had been three Israeli Jewish men who had been coming to our international ministry at CSF, and They'd been coming for a little over a year, and they'd been diving into Scripture, reading through the Gospels with some of our staff, and and they were there. And one of our campus ministers there, John, said he was mingling in the room, and he saw these three men across the room, and he thought, you know, I'm going to head over there. I want to visit. I want to welcome them and tell them I'm glad they're here and talk to them a little bit. They're fun to be around. And so he went to grab something to eat, and as he turned around, two other men had entered the room who had never been to CSF before, but John recognized them from campus, and so they were visiting uh, the three Israeli Jewish men and now two Palestinian Muslim men. And John said, I I began to walk over there, and as I got closer, (laughs) he said, I realized the conversation was getting heated. Well, come to find out, earlier in the day, where these Muslim men were from, there had been a bombing in their city that was supposedly done by somebody from where these Israeli Jewish men were from. And John says, as he got closer, he heard one of the men, he said he doesn't know who, one of the men said, well, you kill my people, I kill you. And John said, I began to realize the conversation might not be as fun as I had anticipated. (laughs) And so John gets a little closer and he said, then it kind of turned and One of the Israeli men said, well, we've been reading about this man named Jesus, and he says, turn the other cheek. And John said, I thought, good, here we go. This will be good. And he said, then I heard one of the Muslim men say, well, I don't follow Jesus. And he goes, and then one of the Jewish men said, well, neither do we. And John's telling me this story, and he's, he's like, I don't know what to do, and, and I love John to death, and if you ever meet John, he's not the first guy I'm taking into a back alley brawl, just so you know. And he walked over there, and he said, what do you do in this situation? What do you do when this conversation happens that you don't know what to deal with? Well, I'm going to come back to that story later on, but I'll be honest with you this morning. When Dan called me a few months ago and told me the passage that I would get to preach on during this sermon series, I really thought that I got off easy. When when I looked at the series that you're in and and the text that he gave me, I thought I was getting the easy conversation in this Things We Don't Talk About series. I mean, last week, if you were here, Josh talked about death and taxes. No thanks. (laughs) I don't really want to talk about either of those today. Next week, you're going to talk about religion. I don't know, that can get a little dicey. And we're not even talking about politics or sex or any of those things. I got the greatest commandment and the afterlife. And I thought, well, who doesn't want to talk about that? Like, 
Thanks for letting me. This is great. You guys gave me the easy one. I get to talk about the afterlife, and I get to talk about loving God and loving people. This will be easy. That's a conversation I want to walk into. Well, then I started diving into Mark chapter 12, which is where we're going to be this morning if you want to turn in your Bibles. Mark chapter 12, what might be a familiar passage to many of you, begins in verse 28. And as I began to dive in and dig into this familiar passage, I noticed that maybe this conversation is a little bit bigger, and maybe it has the potential to be a little more heated than I thought. It's almost like I went across the room expecting one thing, and then I got in the middle of it and went, oh, this was not the group I wanted to be with. And in Mark chapter 12, this is how it starts in verse 28, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus had answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Well, Jesus said, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to Jesus, you are right, teacher, you have truly said he is one. There is no other besides him, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that the scribe had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. What seems easy, right? <clears throat> love God, love people. Who, who doesn't want to talk about that? Now, but understand that the atmosphere of this text is already kind of a not fun to talk about group, right? This is the third person who has been sent <clears throat> more than likely to try to trip Jesus up or to ask him something that will discredit Jesus or make people not follow Jesus or, or make Jesus look bad. In the first round, the Pharisees had already sent someone to intentionally try to trap Jesus, and that didn't go well for them. And if you were here last week, Josh talked about the people who came, and they tried to trick Jesus with a really complicated, weird question about taxes, and that didn't go well. Well, now they send a scribe or what's more kind of like a law professor or a legal professor, and they send him to Jesus more than likely to try to trip him up again. Now, now this guy seems a little bit nicer than the first two, Uh, He seems a little friendlier. He actually compliments Jesus. His question isn't super weird. It's not like some complicated thing. It's actually a question that a lot of people in Jesus' day probably talked about a lot. There were over 613 Old Testament commandments plus all the traditions that they had added onto that. And so it was kind of a common conversation like what's the greatest or what's the Mount Rushmore of commandments or something like that. But I want to suggest to you that in this passage, in this conversation, there are a couple things this morning that if we're really honest, I don't know that we want to talk about. And the first one is actually the greatest commandment. Now, don't get me wrong, if if you want to sit down and talk about loving God and loving people in very generic and broad terms, I'm all about that. Like if we want to go out and grab a cup of coffee and say, do you love God? I'll say, yeah, I love God. He's the best. We can talk about that all day. If you want to talk about how we can love my neighbor that I like, we can talk about that all day. And that's an easy conversation, but Jesus doesn't just say that. Jesus says that we are to love God with, there's a three-letter word in there that's really hard. 
Jesus says we are to love God with all of us. He says all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And we're to love our neighbors, which Jesus later defines as all people, in the same way we love ourselves. And church, can I be honest? If we're going to have a conversation about do I love God with all of my heart, everything I believe and feel? Do I love God with all my soul, all my innermost being? Do I love him with every thought in my mind and every action of my body in every moment of my life, in every circumstance with every person? I don't want to talk about that with you. (laughs) You seem like nice people, but I don't want to talk about that because the reality is I know that I don't. I want to, but Jesus is telling us in this passage that when we choose to follow him, all the things that scripture tells us, all the things we're supposed to do and all the things we're not supposed to do are summed up in this idea, just love God with everything you are in every place you go with every person you interact with. And that seems like an easy conversation until you think about it. See, I think what Jesus is reminding us of is the truth that when we give our life to Jesus, eternal life begins right now. And an eternal life is supposed to look vastly different than one that's not. See, for years, I I was guilty of this. I lived in this mind frame or this this paradigm, this worldview that, that eternal life started after I died. That I die and then I get to go to heaven and I begin eternal life. Or Jesus returns and then I begin eternal life. But that's simply not true. Scripture is incredibly clear that when you and I surrender our life to Jesus, when we put our trust in him, we have an old life that is now dead. Scripture says it is buried. And we are giving a new life that lasts through eternity. Eternal life begins now. And Jesus says that eternal life means God has all of me. That I love him and live for him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength. And that I love people, all people, even the ones I don't like and that don't like me, in the same way that I would want people to love me. And church, I think that's a conversation that's hard to have. I think it's really easy to talk about loving God and people in very generic, broad terms. But if you and I are going to be a church that sits down and talks about what does it mean to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and to love all people in every circumstance and every aspect of my life, I don't know that we want to talk about that. Because oftentimes when we talk about it, it reminds me, maybe it reminds you, that the things that we argue about or the things that we talk about or the things that we value or the things that we post about, maybe they're not nearly as important as what we think. Maybe it reminds you like it reminds me that God doesn't have near as much as me as I'd like to think sometimes. And the scribe tells Jesus that this is the right answer which, by the way, is my favorite part of this story. Like, the scribe tells the son of God he did a good job. Like, that's, that and a million other reasons are why I'm not Jesus. Because I'd be like, thank you. 
I appreciate your affirmation. I'm the son of God, right? But he tells him, this is right, he says, what you're saying is better than any burnt offering or sacrifice that's ever been given. Everything falls under this umbrella of loving God and loving people. And God has said that all along. In Hosea 6, God said, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifices. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Bible scholar Daniel Aiken said it this way. He says, our response to these two commandments exposes our hearts. It lays bare our souls and it reveals what matters most to us. It shows us what we cherish and what is of supreme value in our life. And I don't know about you, but I'm not looking all the time for a conversation that lays bare my soul. Sometimes that's hard to talk about. This idea that life changes when I come to Jesus. When I was in campus, when I was the campus minister in Wayne, I had a student who came, his name is Alex, and he came to Wayne to play football. And Alex had grown up going to church off and on, but it never really took with him. And he'd been in some trouble. And he got to Wayne, he started coming to our church, started coming to our campus ministry. And eventually his sophomore year, he surrendered his life to Jesus. And about two months after Alex gave his life to Christ, I got a phone call at two o'clock in the morning. And I pick up the phone and Alex says, hey man, you got to get over here right now. So I ran out the door and I live in Wayne, so everything's like five minutes away. And so I drove to his house as fast as I could. I walk in the door and he's sitting on his couch in gym shorts and nothing else. And he's visibly shaking. And I think somebody's died. I think maybe Alex has fallen back into a bad habit. Maybe he got kicked off the football team. I, I can't, I have a million ideas about what this conversation will be like. And eventually I got Alex to calm down and he looked at me and he said, Justin, there's a naked girl in my bedroom and I don't know how to tell her that I'm not that guy anymore. Now, Third City, I went to Bible college longer than most people. I even went and got a master's degree in ministry. Nobody gave me a class on how you answer that question. So I did what any good pastor does when he doesn't want to talk about something. I said, Alex, I think we need to pray. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you what my audible words in that prayer were, but I could tell you what the internal prayer was that day. And we got done, and I will never forget this. Alex looked at me, and he said these words. He said, Justin, I don't know how to tell her the Alex she's waiting for doesn't exist anymore. Let me say that again. He said, I don't know how to tell her the Alex she's looking for doesn't exist anymore. Alex knew what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, it's passed away, it's dead, and the new has come. In church, that's really important for you and I to talk about this morning because if you're like me and we really start diving into this idea of what does it mean to live all for God, to love God with all of my life and to love other people, I, I can't do that. On my own, that is impossible for me. But church, the good news is, is that's not who I am anymore. And so when all the old things of my life before Jesus try to resurrect themselves and come back, I need to remind myself and say, that Justin doesn't exist anymore. 
And I need to fall on the grace of Jesus who gives me the strength to live and love him in the same way he loved me. Well, there's another part of this passage that honestly I never paid much attention to. And then I started reading some Bible scholars and commentators this week, and, and it really made sense to me. There, there's a passage there towards the end where the scribe says, Jesus, you did a good job, and, and it tells him all that. And Jesus looks at this scribe and he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And, and I've always heard that and thought, boy, I'd like Jesus to say that to me. That seems like a nice compliment. This scribe must be getting it. He must be understanding. And, and that's true. Jesus saw that this man was beginning to understand what Jesus was talking about. He was beginning to have the right answers and to say the right things and maybe even have the right actions. And Jesus says, you are near the kingdom of God. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say he's in the kingdom of God. And I got to thinking, is there really any difference between being near something and being in something? And I thought about, I used to coach high school football and I would stand on the sideline and I, <clears throat> I would be near the football game. But that is vastly different than being in the football game, right? I live in Wayne and we have this sewage plant just outside of town. If the wind blows the right way, the whole town smells. I don't know if you have that here in Grand Island. And I can tell you that being near the sewage plant is pretty awful. But I bet it's not as bad as being in the sewage plant, Right? See, I think you and I need to have a conversation this morning that th there is a difference between being near the kingdom of God and being in the kingdom of God. And this scribe understood and agreed with Jesus about what it meant to follow him, that it meant to love the Lord your God. The two most important things were loving God and loving people. But he had yet to understand that to be in the kingdom of God, you have to surrender to Jesus. And that's a hard conversation that sometimes we don't want to have, right? I work on a college campus. If you'd like to hear more about CSF, you can come back tonight at 6.30 for a dessert we're having. But I get asked all the time, what's the hardest part? A college campus is one of the most unreached people groups in all the world. 88% of the students don't believe in Jesus. And, and oftentimes people will say, well, I bet it's the people who have a completely different religion. There's so many different religions on a campus. Or it's the student who doesn't even know anything about Jesus. They've never been told about him, or they hate Jesus, or they hate the church. And those are all really challenging, don't get me wrong. But honestly, the hardest conversation are the hundreds and thousands of people who are really near the kingdom of God, but they're not in the kingdom of God. They say the right things, sometimes they do the right things, but they don't follow the right person. They still think that this whole concept is all about what I can do. And church, I think this conversation is really important, even though it's hard. Because you and I need to know that no matter how good we are, or no matter how hard we try, or no matter if we have all the right answers or say all the right things, those things can only put you and I near the kingdom of God. Only Jesus can put us in the kingdom of God. And that's a conversation we have to have. <clears throat> well, eventually, the, six, or the five guys left the Thanksgiving party, and, and we thought that might kind of be the end of it. John thought maybe he'd gotten off a little bit easy, and he called me, and he says, what do we do with this? <clears throat> and I said, I don't know. John, we pray, and 
I thank God that it's your problem and not mine. I don't know. And uh, there was more to it than that. But Well, the next day, the three Israeli Jewish men showed up at CSF, and they had brought this gift. There'll be a picture on the screen here in a minute. And they had made this gift full of Palestinian goodies. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they had made a Palestinian flag and a bunch of food from their homeland and a bunch of things that would make these Muslim men feel at home. And they came to John and Jane and they said, we want to take this to them and apologize, but we don't want to go by ourselves. And John says, of course you don't. And, and so John and Jane actually were super excited to go with them. And our two campus ministers went with them and they brought this gift to these Muslim men and they said the men almost began to cry. Like they were just taken aback. And they couldn't believe that somebody would do this and somebody would apologize. <clears throat> and so they looked at the, the Israeli men and they said, why would you do this? Why would you come and say you're sorry? Why would you care? And the Israeli men said this. They said, well, we've been going to CSF <clears throat> and we've been reading about this man named Jesus. And we've been trying to live maybe a little bit more like him. And Jesus says this is what he would do. And so we're going to do it. And then they said this to these Muslim men. They said, boy, we would love it if you would come and start reading about this Jesus with us. Church, these conversations aren't easy, right? Like, I don't know anybody that walks in a room and goes, you know, I'd love to have a hard conversation today. Right? I guarantee you, as much as we want, like nobody wants to enter into that conversation with that kind of heat and that kind of conflict. Nobody wants to sit in a room and answer questions that you don't know. But church, it is so important that we talk about the hard things. It is so important that we talk about what does it mean to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind and all our strength in every aspect of our life. It is so important that we talk about what does it mean to love people who are completely different than us, even against us, even want to harm us. It is so important that we talk about this. Because church, oftentimes, the most beautiful things come out of the hardest conversations. Sometimes those hard conversations can turn into this wonderful, beautiful gift that shows people how much we love them. Sometimes those conversations can turn into this beautiful picture that helps people maybe get a glimpse of how much God loves us. In 1 John chapter 4, Jesus said, Let us love one another, <clears throat> for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Church, how do we love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength? How do we love people who are so different than us? 
Well, we rely on Jesus. <laughs> Who loved you and me just that way? We rely on a Savior, and we talk about a Savior who loved you and me with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength, and with all of his life. And we ask him to help us love other people the same. And we tell them about a Savior who loves like nobody they've ever met. And church, I don't know about you, but I'll talk about that all day long. You can have it all. It's an easy <clears throat> phrase to sing, but awful hard to live, amen? And so what does that look like this week for you and me? Well, my prayer this week is that we could re realize and, and live out what it means to give God all to give him all this morning as we worship and to give him all as we leave and go to our jobs, as we go to our kids' activities, as we coach Little League Baseball, as we sit on committees in our community, to give him all at home with our families and our, our spouses and our kids, to give him all when we interact with our neighbors, to give him all in every aspect of our life and to fall on the grace of Jesus when we don't. My prayer, Third City, is that you and I would be reminded this week that we would be challenged to give all of us to God and that we would be reminded of Jesus who gave all of him for us. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.